Brothers and sisters, welcome to the LDS Fishers of Men podcast. I am your host, Alan. We are on episode four today. Actually, uh, recording a little bit late. I had Monday off, so today is Monday, President's Day. And uh, we did some family stuff last night, so recording's a little bit late, getting it out a little bit late today. But that's all right, because family comes first, right? So, <clears throat> today we have a, a fun one planned. I've got, uh, I've got one that I've been wanting to talk about, one that um, hopefully the saints will pay attention to. Hopefully that's something that we can be made more aware of. <clears throat> today we're going to talk about... Um, the need to avoid false doctrine. To kind of get us started off here, um, in church yesterday, I attended a uh, teacher's training uh, meeting. They don't call it that. I think it's called a teacher's council or something like that. But one of the things that we covered in there was, it was really interesting because the teacher got up there, and he had a picture of Nephi and his family, uh, you know, Lehi, everyone. They're looking, and they can see land, right? They see the promised land. And they're up on the deck of the ship. And <clears throat> um, he was looking at the ship, and he's like, so, you know, he, he brought up the cartoon as well. And he said, what, what about... What about these things stands out to you? And nobody really had an answer. Like, I don't know. You know what I'm saying? And, and he said, okay, well, think about the cartoon. <clears throat> he said, think about the cartoon. What did, what did um, Laman and Lemuel do to Nephi on the boat when they got frustrated with him? And I grew up on the cartoon, and I said, uh, they tied him to the mast of the ship. He said, they tied him to the mast of the ship. He said, is that scriptural? Did they actually tie him to the mast of the ship? And I, you know, everybody thought about it, and I thought, no. No, they didn't. They, they didn't tie him to the mast of the ship. But in our minds, we had all equated that, right? We had all, you know, I, I grew up on those, on those living scripture cartoons, and I remember seeing that that uh, painting of them on the ship, and he said, "What what do the scriptures say about about that ship?" And so we went to and and you know into First Nephi, and he cited some sources where it said it was not built after the manner of men; it was built after the manner that God had showed Nephi. <clears throat> and so. Going further, he then says, now, when he goes to the part where, we, you know, we go to the scripture where uh, Laman and Lemuel, they bound Nephi with cords. And that's all it said. It said that they bound him with cords. Never said they tied him to a mast. Never said anything like that, right? That made a big old impression on me because I thought, oh my gosh, like, in some small sense, like, not, not, a, not a huge deal, but... I mean, how many of us would have bet dollars to donuts that Nephi would have been tied to the mast of the ship just because of that cartoon? Which, you know, great cartoon. I'm not, you know, we're not dogging on the cartoon or the painting or anything like that. But it was somebody's interpretation of scripture that happened to not be scriptural at all. Right? Now, if, if I had to hazard a guess, and this is me guessing, right? I would say that Nephi's boat probably was closer to Noah's Ark or even the, the Jaredite barges than it was an actual ship, like like the, the Mayflower, right? But it, it made a big old impression on me because we have, you know, so many of us would have bet dollars to donuts that Nephi was tied to the mast. And that, that ship, you know, when you think about it, we think about like a Nina Pinta Santa Maria type ship, right? And it's just a small little thing. It's it's not a huge deal. You know what I'm saying? Like, really not a huge deal. But I, I thought to myself, I have to put that into my podcast. Like, it just 
it, it was perfect. It was like tailor made for the subject. Um, let's go ahead and let's get into the scriptures. Let's get into the scriptures. I think that's a wonderful place for us to be. It's a wonderful place to always be, of course. But I think that when we do these podcasts, you know, I, I'm really trying to to kind of illustrate the point of. You know, you can look into a bunch of different places. You you can look into like Michael B. Rush's books, which are you know they're they're, they're very they're very interesting. Uh, you can look into you know Abraham Gileadi. You can look into all these different authors into their books and how they're interpreting scripture and stuff like that. But like I mentioned uh, last week, you know, I think what we are what we are making mistakes in and, and and the big mistakes that we are making are that we are trying to have somebody else interpret and then spood feed us their interpretation. And oftentimes those interpretations are not they're not backed by um, enough scripture and enough prophets and apostles. I think that that is a, a, a error that we need to correct as a people, right? Number one, we need to read the scriptures because how many times, and I've done this myself, how many times do we go in and read one of those books and we just accept what they're telling us without going to the source, right? So, let me start out here. Let me start out here by asking a question. And that question is, what has Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, given us? What has He given us? Right? In, in this, you know, think about this in the, in the attitude of avoiding false doctrine, okay? Now, you guys know me. I really love Ephesians. I love, you know, I love all the standard works, but Ephesians really hammers home the point of having prophets and apostles, right? Let's go to Ephesians chapter 4, verses 11 through 14. And I'm going to issue you a challenge here that you get out your your paper sticks, right? That you get out your your uh, your paper Bible, your Book of Mormon, okay? Get out your your old school scriptures. If you don't have them, that's fine. Mark it up in your phone. But I'm I'm just really finding that when I dig into my my paper scriptures, you know, when I do that and I start underlining and I'm writing stuff in the margins. I started that up recently, and it has been awesome. And I use it in conjunction with, you know, with a desktop computer as well. But if we get in there, you know, that really is the challenge I'm going to give you, is as we go through this stuff, mark it up in your scriptures if you can. And if you're not able to right now, if you're listening at work or something like that, when you get home, make sure you make sure you mark this stuff up, because this is important that we understand. And when you... Um, you know, in the words of Cleon Skousen, if you don't write it down, you're going to forget, right? Write it down. So we're going to Ephesians chapter 4. Let's go 11 through 14. So right before verse 11, I have written down, He gave us, okay? Now we're going to go to the Greek for a lot of this stuff. We're going to cross-reference ourselves with some Greek as well as with the footnotes. Okay, so starting off in verse 11, he gave us, and he gave some apostles, and some prophets, and some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers. Okay, so let's go to the Greek for that verse. In Greek, okay, when he says, and he gave some, if you go back to the Greek, it'll say, to be apostles, right? That word that they use. We'll say, and he gave some to be apostles, and some to be prophets, and some to be evangelists, and some to be pastors, and to be teachers, okay? Like that, just understanding that should give you a lot more clarification on this. It's not that he's, because it almost makes it sounds like he's giving, he's giving these to us, right? Which he is. But let's understand this in the context of the scripture, how we're supposed to, you know, how it was given. And if we go back to the Greek, it'll actually give us some clarification on that, right? So, 
and he gave some to be apostles. And I would write that down uh, because I have written it down in my scriptures. Okay? So he has given some to be these things, right? These foundational things with Christ himself being the chief cornerstone. Now let's cross-reference that to footnote 11a, okay? Topical guide, authority. Now let's go to 11b, apostles, church organization, priesthood, history of, okay? Because oftentimes, <clears throat> you know, we can go to the Greek, and it's fantastic, and you can get a lot of clarification. But it is one of those things where I like to have I like to have the footnotes, right? I like to have those things back it up as a second witness, because you can kind of get lost in the weeds a little bit with if you just go back to Greek, and you know what I mean. You can you you can get confused on some of that stuff. But with this one, it's pretty crystal clear. It should be anyway at this point. Okay. Now let's go to verse 12. And before verse 12, in your margin, write for the purpose of. Okay. So before verse 11, we said he gave us. And then we list out these things. I would write to be apostles. Okay. Now before verse 12, for the purpose of, for the perfecting of the saints for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. Okay. Now, we see these things, right? And obviously we know that we are not perfect. We as a church are not perfect. Okay. We as a people make up the church. We are not perfect. However, Christ built his church, right? Second uh, Thessalonians, okay? He built his church on the foundation of prophets and apostles, with himself being the chief cornerstone, okay? So, the people kind of suck, <laughs> right? The people the people are the weakest link here, okay? But the the building is sound. The building is sacred, and it, it, is, it is here, right? For the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, okay? Now, what does it mean? What is edification? What is edify? What does that mean? Right? I went back to the dictionary in 1828, as well as, um, because that's as far back as the Merriam-Webster dictionary goes. I went back to that, and I compared it to the modern-day uh, definition in the dictionary. It's basically the same. Um, to instruct and improve, especially in moral and religious knowledge. Okay, uplift also, enlighten, inform. And that is the Merriam-Webster Dictionary again. Okay, so he gave us these things. He gave us people to be apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. Okay, again in the footnotes, authority, apostles, church organization, priesthood history of. So these things are given us for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, and to instruct and improve, especially in moral and religious knowledge, okay, for the edifying of the body of Christ. Okay, let's go to verse 13. Till we all come in the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, unto a perfect man, unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Okay? That is the goal, right? That is the goal. Till we all come in the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, unto a perfect man, unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, right? Be therefore one, even as I and your Father in heaven are one, okay? Now let's go to verse 14. That we henceforth, this is this is the crux, okay? Verse 14 really is, it's a, it's a nice, it's a nice crux here. That we henceforth be no more children, tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the slight of men and cunning craftiness, whereby they lie in wait to deceive. You ever heard the phrase slight of hand? Okay, like with a magician where he does a sleight of hand trick. It's crafty, right? 
and and the whole you know being a magician it's all about misdirection and deception okay so think about that think about an evil magician here okay carried about with every wind of doctrine by the slight of men and cunning craftiness whereby they lie in wait to deceive okay so there are men they are crafty Okay, like a magician, they can do the sleight of hand thing, right? They are waiting, they are lying in wait to, to deceive us as saints, okay? This scripture was given to these saints, okay, at you know, the, the Ephesians, right? All of these epistles are given to certain people, guys. The Romans, okay? The Galatians, you know what I'm saying? The Hebrews, like these are given to people who are saints, Okay, everybody, every one of them belong to the body of Christ. Okay, so we can apply this to ourselves. We can apply this to ourselves. There are people lying in wait to deceive us as modern day saints. Okay, they are crafty. They're going to do a sleight of hand. They're going to make things seem like they are legitimate. Like they are absolutely in line, you know what I mean, with with the gospel, when in fact they are not. Okay? Uh, let's, let's go back to the Greek now. Wind. Wind in Greek. Okay? Animos. That's how you say the Greek word for wind. Animos. Okay? Properly, a gust of air, wind. Okay? Nothing surprising there. Figuratively... Something with gusting, storm-like force, like someone bent in a particular direction. That should add some, some new clarification to that verse. Okay? Because when we read that a lot of times, if we're, not, if we're not looking at the footnotes, if we're not doing this extra little study, we're going to miss some of this stuff, right? So, when it says that we henceforth, in verse 14... That we henceforth be no more children, tossed to and fro, and carried about with every wind of doctrine. It's not talking about a slight breeze, brothers and sisters. This wind that he's talking about is like is like storm-like force, okay? And it's blowing on us, trying to toss us to and fro, okay? That guy is lying in wait with this storm-like force, trying to bend us in a certain direction, right? Verse 15, but speaking the truth in love may grow up into him in all things, which is the head, even Christ. Okay? This is good stuff. I get excited about this kind of stuff. So, but speaking the truth in love. Okay? That's the secret. Speaking the truth in love may grow up into him in all things, which is the head, even Christ. Okay, this goes back. This goes back to our previous verse here, verse 12. For the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. Okay. And then again, verse 13, going up into the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Okay. That's how we get there, is that truth and love, sound doctrine. Okay, you can write that in, in after verse 15, sound doctrine. Or before, however you mark your scriptures. Okay, let's go to verse 16. From whom the whole body fitly joined together and compacted by that which every joint supplieth, according to the effectual working in the measure of every part, maketh increase of the body unto the edifying of itself in love. Okay? Now that can be kind of hard to understand sometimes. You, you really need to be in the spirit when we read this stuff and we need to search and research, you know what I mean, and look into some of this stuff. So, when my, when my arm fits perfectly into my body, right, and every joint is working, and it's all working the way it's supposed to be, and I go to 
uh, do some bench press, right? I load up the, the weights. I load up, you know, the weights on the bar. I get everything ready. Do something I know that I can handle. Um, when my arm is fit into my body just right, and I go to do that, that movement, okay, how many working parts are being activated when I do that? Right? We could say squats, whatever. Heck, you could even just say strolling down the street when you're walking, right? So when I go to do my bench press, okay, and I get that bar off, now all of these, all of these different muscles are all being activated, and my joints are having to move a certain way, especially if I want to lift the, the correct way without getting injured, right? I'm going to do things, I'm going to do that movement in a controlled manner. You come down, you touch your chest, okay? Go back up, you explode up. That's one, that's one, okay? Think about all those things that are working together. All of those, those joints, all, that, all those pieces of your body that are fitted perfectly together and that are supplying you with the ability to have that strength, right? It's not just about having brute strength. It's about having the, the ability, right? It's about having the everything work together, every joint working together. You know, things that we don't even think about. All this stuff working together in the body, right? To make it so that you can do that. And when you can do that, when these things work together, these things that we take for granted that we never think about, right? We can start to build muscle. We can start to build strength. Okay? And it makes an increase of those things. Right? And in, in the context of our scripture here in verse 16, we're talking about the edifying of itself in love. Okay? Maketh the increase of the body unto the edifying of itself in love. And what does edifying in love do for us? It brings us into the full stature of Christ, right? That we can grow up, we can grow in strength and become like our, our elder brother, Jesus Christ, okay? By the way, we have to work together, right? In order for us to do that, because we're all a part of the body of Christ as saints, Okay, verse 17, This I say, therefore, and testify in the Lord, that ye henceforth walk not as other Gentiles walk, in the vanity of their mind. Okay? He's saying, do not walk as other Gentiles. That applies to us, right? We are saints. Don't walk as other Gentiles. Don't be tossed to and fro by every wind of weird doctrine that comes your way. Okay? I'm going to pause here. There are many of us who recognize some of the stuff that is being taught. Like, I, I talked a lot about it, and you know, I'm sure that I upset some people, maybe even. But hopefully it, hopefully it drives you to reconsider some things. You know what I'm saying? I know that with, like, the energy healing and with all that other stuff, you know, I've even heard that there are people looking into, like... Uh, mediums and you know what I mean tarot card type things okay brothers and sisters we were taught the truth as children a simple absolutely amazing truth I look back to my childhood the things that I was taught I sang songs in primary like follow the prophet he knows the way I sing songs about I love to see the temple I'm going there someday you know what I'm saying we were taught a lot of this simple doctrine as children, we need to step back and say, okay, the church has not moved. The church is the same. The doctrine is the same. Yet, I am moving away from the teachings of the prophets and the apostles, and in, from the teachings of Christ, Right? I am moving away from the iron rod. We need to recognize that. Okay? These other things were never taught, and they are not taught. And though we want them to be true for whatever reason, pick whatever topic you'd like, right? We, maybe we want the Lost Ten Tribes to be UFOs and flying saucers. Okay? I, I, 
I don't know, you know, we, we don't know. And it, it, for us to adopt some of that stuff into our core belief based on books of uninspired men, right? Or philosophies of men mingled with scripture in some cases, or just outright bullcrap, right? We, we take this stuff, we want it to be true so bad that we adopt it, and now we're espousing false doctrine. And you know what I mean? Even if it is, if even if it is relatively harmless and doesn't really have much to do with your salvation, I think it's a very bad idea. I think it's a very bad practice, and it sets you up for the next thing, the next sleight of hand, right? And I, should, I probably should clarify. I don't. I don't think that these authors are bad people. I don't know. I don't think. I wouldn't. I don't like to think that they're bad people. They're trying to deceive people. I just, being in the last days, the last days, I want us to be extremely careful about what we call doctrine, right? About how we proceed from here. Because the people lying in wait are going to multiply and they're going to get better at what they are using in order to get us off of the iron rod to let go and go into those forbidden paths okay there's my there's my my rant here in the, in the middle of of uh, our scriptures okay let's go to verse 18 having the understanding darkened i'm going to say that one more time okay so verse 17 just to recap don't walk as other Gentiles walk, okay, in the vanity of their mind, having the understanding darkened. In order to have your understanding darkened, you have to have had the truth at one point, right? We have the truth. Don't walk as other Gentiles walk and have your, your understanding darkened, okay? Continuing on being alienated from the life of God through the ignorance that is in them because of the blindness of their heart. Verse 19, who being past feeling have given themselves over unto lasciviousness. I can't say that word, apparently. Okay? Basically like, like sexuality, to work all uncleanness with greediness. Okay. Past feeling is a gradual decline or desensitization of the spiritual senses. Okay. Now we can see that this happened to people like Laman and Lemuel, right? And we see people like the Zoramites, okay? They had the truth at one time. They then espoused Different doctrines, okay? And I'm sure it started out relatively innocent. But it then got weird. Things got weird at some point, And pretty soon you got a ramiumptum, right? Pretty soon you're using the law of Moses as your justification for killing your little brother. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? You get, you get what I'm saying here? When you become past feeling, when you start to adopt this stuff, innocent as it may seem at the time, when you start to adopt this stuff, you are setting yourself up. You are you're getting into a bad habit, okay? And I understand we want some of this stuff, you know, because it's interesting, it's intriguing, right? You know, the Jews had a similar problem. They had the law of Moses given unto them. They had the scriptures laid before them, and they wanted all sorts of weird stuff, right? And the Lord even says, you know, he's like, look, they, they desire this stuff, so I gave it to them. They want this, this stuff that's, that's impossible to understand, so I gave it to them. Brothers and sisters, I don't want weird stuff that's hard to understand. I want plain and precious doctrine being taught to me, right? Stuff that I can, that I can understand, stuff that I can build upon. When we, when we forego the study of Scripture and accept the, the interpretation of another man who is not in authority, 
who is in this our same exact position. He just so happens to have maybe a gift at at speaking, at writing, what whatever. Okay, be an, uh, an extremely educated man for all I care. Let's step back. Let's step back. Let's remember where does truth come from? Okay. It comes from the Holy Ghost, right? It comes from the Holy Ghost. Okay, verse 20, But ye have not so learned Christ. What does that mean? So, verse 19, we've, or excuse me, verse 18, You had your understanding darkened. Because in verse 17, you started walking as other Gentiles walk, in the vanity of their mind, right? When you have your understanding darkened, you are alienated from the life of God through the ignorance that you're now espousing, and you're blind in your hearts. This makes it so that you become past feeling, which then makes it so that you give yourself over to whatever sin, right? Whatever sin easily besets the natural man, because you've lost that that ability to feel the spirit. Okay? At that point, you have not so learned Christ. All the while you're thinking that you're learning Christ, but you have not so learned Christ. Okay? In Greek, for verse 20, you, however, not this way learned Christ. Okay, so you learned of Christ once, but it wasn't by being past feeling. He's saying this this formula. Okay, the Greek kind of clarifies verse clarifies verse twenty. The formula that we're seeing here, having your understanding darkened, walking as Gentiles, being past feeling, that is not how you learned of Christ. You're being deceived, right? This was a problem then, it is a problem now. Okay? Verse 21. If so be that ye have heard him and have been taught by him as the truth is in Jesus, that ye put off concerning the former conversation the old man, which is corrupt according to the deceitful lusts. Okay? Think back to verses 17 through 19. If this is you, then we need to, or if this is me, okay, if this is us, we need to repent and put off the old man. Okay, that is not the new man, that is not the rebirth of the spirit that we had at baptism. Of water and the spirit, right? Okay. And be renewed in the spirit of your mind, and that ye put on the new man, which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. Okay, and how do we do that? Do we put on the new man any other way than through priesthood authority? Think about that. Like, really think about that. When you have a spiritual awakening, when you... You know, when you go through and you put off the old man and you put on the new man, when you are born again of the Spirit, of the water and the Spirit, how is that done? Is that done by you reading a book by some weirdo? Is that done by any, is there any power that you possess of yourself? Or of any other man, for that matter? Now, a man may baptize you. That's not what I'm talking about. That man of himself has no power. Okay, When I baptized my, my children, and when I'm going to baptize the, the remaining children that I have, that is of no power of myself. It has not, nothing to do with me. Okay, When they are born again of the water and the Spirit, that is done by the power of God. That is done by the priesthood, the holy order after the Son of God that we, we call the order of Melchizedek, out of respect for the Son of God, right? 
We don't want to say that too many times, and I say it now to prove a point. And hopefully to edify, right? Like I say, brothers and sisters, the weakest links in this entire thing are men and women. Okay, that is, that's, it's supposed to be that way. We want, we are here to learn and to grow. Sometimes we mess up, right? When we, when we look outside of the prescribed path, prescribed by Christ, I might add, we're going to run into some extreme problems. And like I say, they will start off small. They'll be innocent enough. They will then turn into larger things if we don't, if we don't curb that, if we don't figure that out. Okay? Let's, I'm going to ask you another question here. Why did Christ give us these men? Why? Okay? Because as, as we've just established here, there is no power of man that causes that, that being born again of the water and the Spirit. Okay? So why, why does he give us these men? Now, you should already know the answer, and I'm sure that you have some thoughts, okay? Let me read a quote to you by M. Russell Ballard. This is from the October 1999 General Conference, Beware of False Prophets and False Teachers, okay? Brothers and sisters, the exact time of the second coming is known only to the Father. See Matthew 24:36. There are, however, signs that scriptural prophecy relating to that tumultuous day is being fulfilled. Jesus cautioned several times that prior to his second coming, many false prophets shall arise and shall deceive many. Matthew 24:11. As apostles of the Lord Jesus Christ, it is our duty to be watchmen on the tower warning church members to beware of false prophets and false teachers who lie in wait to ensnare and destroy faith and testimony. Today, we warn you that there are false prophets and false teachers arising. And if we are not careful, even those who are among the faithful members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints will fall victim to their deception. That, brothers and sisters, is apostolic witness to what we just read. That has some weight and some authority behind it. Okay? And it is not the weight and authority of M. Russell Ballard. It is the weight and authority of an apostle of Jesus Christ who just so happens to be M. Russell Ballard. Okay? D d does that make sense? When I see acquaintances, when I see friends, when I see family members, okay? And I'm sure you've seen it too. And hopefully, you know, if, if this has been you, hopefully this is a call to action for you and a course correction that you can make. But when I see these individuals post on Facebook how this apostle needs to read uh, the needs to read the medical material on vaccinations, okay, and I'm using that because that's recent, that's fresh in our minds, and I, I understand that that is a that is a burr in people's in, in people's saddles, okay. I understand that. And I'm purposely using that because of that. Okay, you can insert anything you'd like here. Okay, this could be a homosexual marriage. This could be anything going back, right? Anything that men and women have thought that they know better on, that they, through science, through po political affiliation, right? 
they will then take and criticize that apostolic witness and say, you know, X, Y, Z about this guy. Okay, we've covered that before. Probably shouldn't uh, go back on that promise you made in the temple, right? Probably shouldn't. I know it's, I know sometimes that we, we get caught up into that. Let's repent of that and not, not do that kind of stuff. Because that, I mean, ha, go watch the work in the glory. <laughs> That's where that leads, okay? Go watch the work in the glory. Okay? These men are called, hand-picked, of Christ. Okay? That is the authority. Laying on of hands, okay? All that stuff. Church administration, priesthood authority, the line of, of, of priesthood authority. All this stuff, okay? That they can then give us that second witness on, that they can be watchmen on the hill and guide us against these people. It's funny to me that we are looking at these people and we are calling them the false prophets and false teachers that they have been warning us against. They've warned us. This is 1999, guys. You can find similar statements going back to the 70s, 60s, 50s, 40s, 30s, okay? Go back as far as you want. Joseph Smith himself, okay? Go back to the New Testament with Christ. And yet we, metaphorically, it's almost like spitting in the Savior's face when we do stuff like this. Okay, I do not think that he will take kindly. There will not be a lot of understanding with stuff like this. You know what I'm saying? He's going to be, guys, you knew. I called Elder Ballard. He has my seal of approval. He gave you a warning, right? Okay, I'm not up on here on my ramiumptum, guys. I'm telling you the, the truth as I see it. I'm calling this out. I'm calling the balls as I see him, right? We have to be so careful. We have to tread carefully about the doctrine that we espouse going forward. Because it is so incredibly easy to innocently start adopting stuff that we want to be true, and then pretty soon we're starting our own church. Pretty soon you're getting excommunicated because you keep... You keep hammering on the brethren. You keep hammering on the doctrine of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints because it doesn't line up with what you think it should be, right? Because you know better now. You know better than the hand-picked and the church administration of Christ. You see how that happens? Okay, let's move on. Okay. That question, okay, how does that happen? How does it happen? Okay, let's go to the Doctrine and Covenant student manual. Uh, this is J4, okay? Distinguishing between the manifestations of the Spirit and the counterfeits. The Prophet Joseph Smith emphasized the importance of being able to discern or distinguish between manifestations of the Spirit and counterfeits, between the genuine and the false. A man must have the discerning of spirits before he can drag into daylight this hellish influence and unfold it unto the world in all its soul-destroying diabolical and horrid colors. For nothing is a greater injury to the children of men than to be under the influence of a false spirit when they think they have the Spirit of God. Boy. Whew, that almost gives you chills, doesn't it? Thousands have felt the influence of its terrible power and baneful effects. Long pilgrimages have been undertaken. Penances endured, and pain, misery, and ruin have followed in their train. Nations have been convulsed, kingdoms overthrown, provinces laid waste, and blood, carnage, and desolation are hab habiliments in which it has been clothed. Okay? Now, habiliments is a weird word. I looked it up for you. It means clothing, okay? Metaphorical clothing. So, carnage and desolation are the clothing in which it has been clothed. Okay. History of the Church, 4, 573. 
The doctrine and covenants teaches, And that which doth not edify is not of God, and is darkness. Okay, think back to our scriptures we've been reading. That which is of God is light, and he that receiveth light and continueth in God receiveth more light, and that light groweth brighter and brighter until the perfect day. And I say it, that you may know the truth, that you may chase darkness from among you. DNC fifty twenty three through twenty five. There are manifestations of supernatural power outside the church. Let me say that one more time, brothers and sisters, just in case you zoned out a little bit. Okay, there are manifestations of supernatural power outside the church. We don't see those very often, do we? Okay, the prophet Joseph Smith noted. One great evil is that men are ignorant of the nature of spirits and imagine that when there is anything like power, revelation, or vision manifested, that it must be of God. Okay? Think about that. Chew on that right there for a minute. Because I think that's what we're running into today. And imagine that when there is anything like power, revelation, or vision manifested, that it must be of God. Do you guys remember the man in Joseph Smith's day that found a stone that could simulate what the seer stone was doing? You guys remember that story? Go look it up. He was convinced that he was receiving revelation for the church. And when... He, uh, I can't remember if he told Joseph Smith about it or if somebody let Joseph Smith know about it. Joseph Smith said, that is not of God. That is not of God, okay? If it's not of God, who's it from, guys? It's from an evil spirit, okay? Let us not forget that Lucifer, when he appears, most of the time he appears as an angel of light. Okay, that's how he deceived Adam and Eve's children made himself appear as an angel of light who just came from the presence of God. Okay, this this is tricky stuff. Uh, continuing on, he noted keys for telling when a gift is from God of manifestations that overwhelm or incapacitate a person with something inexpressible, he asked. Is there any intelligence communicated? Okay, let me pause here. I think that over the years, I'm starting to see more of this kind of thing, especially on like Facebook and stuff like that, Facebook groups. I see people who are members of the church who will then claim these incredible visions. Some of them will even say, while watching General Conference, I had this vision. Okay, and, and in this vision, men appeared and they laid their hands on my head and they gave me a blessing. And the, You know what I mean? It's like, okay, hold on. <laughs> and I say this with as much respect as I can muster. If you're having a vision about such a thing, probably should keep it to yourself. Okay, probably should keep it to yourself. Not something that you want to use to influence a bunch of other people to how righteous you may be, right? Does that make sense? I'm being respectful here. We need to be extremely careful when we start to hear stories like that because such sacred experiences are not meant to be shared. Unless Christ himself lets, like, someone in authority know, right? So these things, these personal experiences that they are having or not having, lying about maybe, I don't know. I wouldn't be sharing that with the world. I think that's a casting your pearls before swine type of thing. Okay? Now that is... That's being very generous, I think. Is it possible 
for people to have a vision like that and to have it come from the other side, yeah, absolutely, okay? Especially when, like, these angels are speaking in tongues that you cannot understand, and they give you a blessing, something like that, right? I know that we believe in the first vision. I know that we believe, but guys, these things are extremely sacred. The reason we know about the first vision is because God wanted us to know about the first vision, and the man that it happened to was a prophet. That is why he was given specific instructions to be able and, and permission to be able to tell us about this stuff, right? You, as Joe Blow, member of the church, probably shouldn't be sharing spiritual experiences willy-nilly like that. Like you're giving out taffy at Halloween, right? Just, I'm just making a point here. Be extremely careful about who you listen to. Okay? This also ties into the, you know, going to some lady with a crystal ball, right? Going to some tarot card reader. We should be, we should know that that's not what we're supposed to do, okay? If it is not coming through the duly ordained uh, authoritative priesthood line, it is not of God. It is not of God, okay? And this stuff can mimic. Go back and read the what Moses did with the with the priests of Pharaoh. Okay, they mimicked just about everything except for a couple things. And I'm gonna you know research that. I could almost do a podcast on that. That'd be kind of fun. Okay, there is a mimicry that happens, and it can be extremely convincing. And we will run into that in the future. That's happening right now. It will increase in the future. Okay. Of manifestations, continuing on here, of manifestations in which a person writhes or babbles or loses control, he said, now God never had any prophets that acted in this way. There was nothing indecorous in the proceeding of the Lord's prophets in any age. See 1 Corinthians 14.32. A man must have the discerning of spirits to understand these things. Christ ascended into heaven and gave gifts to men. He gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers. Okay? Go back to Ephesians chapter 4 that we just read. And how were they chosen? By prophecy. Revelation and by the laying on of hands by a divine communication and a divinely appointed ordinance through the medium of the priesthood organized according to the order of God. We're kind of coming full circle here, aren't we? <laughs> okay, we've ended here where we began. Brothers and sisters, I have great anxiety for you, my brothers and sisters of the church. Not because I think I am some ultra-intelligent dude. It's because this should be fairly obvious to us as members of the church. But for whatever reason, perhaps we have been living too much as, um, as maybe cultural Mormons. We've been living as cultural Mormons instead of members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Okay? Being a part of that body of Christ. We are in the middle of having to decide right now if this stuff is true or if it is just a nice way to raise your family. Does that make sense? We are in the middle of having to decide if we are going to see this religion through. If we are going to continue on the, uh, the roller coaster ride here. Because it's going to get crazy. 
The prophet has told us it's going to get crazy. If we don't know these things, if we don't have a testimony about the prophet, about the apostles, about Christ, right? We're not going to make it. We're not going to make it. This, this really is, this is a call to those members of the church who are on the fence or who have been deceived, okay? I see on YouTube, I see the same stuff that you guys see. I see last day's timelines where they say we're in the seventh seal. I, I see all this stuff and it's like, okay, if you really dissect a lot of that stuff, there's a whole lot of leaps and bounds that you have to get to. There's, there's interpretations that you have to accept. And I'm not saying that they're bad people. Don't misunderstand me. What I'm saying here is that instead of being hyper-focused on what person A, B, or C is saying, why are we giving so much attention to this stuff when we should be looking to the watchman? Can, can you tell me what he talked about in the last general conference? what the Twelve Apostles talked about, what was the general theme. That's what we should know. That's what we should be studying, right? Looking at the Enzyme articles that the Brethren put out, okay? There is where the information that we need is being inspired to come through. Not some YouTube video by Joe Blow, who happens to be a member of the church, who may or may not be trying to lead you astray, whether he knows it or not. Okay, I think that many times, a lot of these members of the church, they, they think that they're doing good work, and they think that they're doing God's work. Okay, And they're not. They're being deceived themselves, and then worse... They're going onto a platform, and they are now trying to influence their brothers and sisters, fellow members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, who will, may or may not believe what they're saying, but they're having an influence, and they're getting a following. And then pretty soon, Brigham Young wasn't a prophet. The prophet now is illegitimate. The church is in apostasy. There hasn't been a actual prophet until, or, or you know, ever since so and so. Okay, I've heard all sorts of crazy stuff. Okay, I mean, is the Book of Mormon true? Was Joseph Smith a prophet of God? If the Book of Mormon was true, Joseph Smith was a prophet of God because it is the fruit of Joseph Smith. Okay, That doesn't mean it belonged to him. It doesn't mean that he was a god who brought it forth. That's not what we mean when we say that. Okay, The Book of Mormon backs up the divinely appointed prophetic calling of Joseph Smith. He was not a fallen prophet. If you believe that garbage... You need to repent, and you need to go back and study from church sources, not from these Joe Blow people who claim to be authorities on the matter. Okay, go back to church sources and study. Study from our books. You know, we, we're losing people, brothers and sisters. We're losing people to this stuff. That's why I'm talking about it. We have to be smarter than what we're being. We have to be on guard. We are, we're asleep, brothers and sisters. We've been asleep. We need to wake up. It's time for us to put on the full armor of God and to be watchful, to pray. You know, when, when Mer Captain Moroni... When he knew that they were outnumbered, did he just kind of go to sleep and sit around and say, God's going to protect us? No. They went about and they started digging up these huge mounds of earth, right? They started making all these defensive structures. We have to be doing the same thing right now. Because there are, there are evil 
Lamanites out there right now who want to deceive us. Who want to get us to let go of the iron rod. Brothers and sisters, it is my prayer that we will be careful. That we will endeavor to be ever vigilant and watchful about the doctrine that we consume and the sources from which we get said doctrine. I pray to God that we are able to withstand the the winds of doctrine that are happening right now and that will continue to happen. At some point there will arrive on the scene a evil man who will claim to be the Messiah or some other form of prophet or whatever. We need to be able to discern between things. We need to be close to the truth. We need to be close to the prophet, to the quorum of the twelve. Okay, my, my fear is that we lose, we lose communication with the brethren. If that's the case, you have to be on your spiritual A-game. You have to. Okay. I just want to bear my testimony. I'm going to close with my testimony. We've we've covered a lot of ground here. We've slogged through a lot of awesome scriptural stuff of the sayings of apostles, prophets. Do not take these sacred things that have been given to us and trample them under your feet. Do not take these things, these general conference addresses, and then talk about how this is all milk. There's just nothing here. There is something there. You're just not in the right spirit to be able to discern it. I promise you. When the prophet is telling the the Relief Society sisters about the city of Enoch and some of the really cool doctrine that goes along with that, telling them that they are that they are a part of that. We got some big stuff. There's some big revelations there and stuff that people aren't picking up because they're not in the right spirit. And you're looking elsewhere to get your, your prophetic information other than the Lord's mouthpiece. Brothers and sisters, I know that the gospel is from God. I know that Jesus Christ is my Lord and my Savior. I know that there is no power other than the power of God and Christ through His divinely appointed authority of, of priesthood power that I am going to be able to withstand the days ahead, that my family is going to withstand the day ahead. It is upon His power and my reliance on being in the palm of His hand that I have any hope of making it through whatever is coming our way. And I will not be I will not be jumping out of the palm of the Savior. I'm not going to do it. And it makes me sad, genuinely sad, and filled with sorrow when I see my brothers and sisters doing just that. All in the name of following the Savior better, right? I know the church is true. I know that President Nelson is a prophet and that he receives guidance and revelation actively from day to day from our Savior Jesus Christ and that he is giving us that guidance today. And I would implore you, brothers and sisters, to get down on bent knee, to pray, to ask your Heavenly Father for strength and for discernment. And then to start seeking the sources of doctrine from those established by Christ. I would ask that the Lord would bless you, keep you guys safe. And I say that in the name of Jesus Christ, amen. 